You know, Joe and I have a good relationship. It's not like a church I heard of where the song leader and the preacher didn't get along with each other too well. And anyhow, one Sunday he preached on the preacher preached on tithing. So to be contrary, the song leader announced at the end of the sermon, we're going to now sing, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> and the following, or a couple of weeks later, he came before the congregation. He said, I'm here to tell you today. He said, I'm sorry, but he says, Christ has called me to go to another church. And uh, he gave a whole lot of reasons why he wanted to go to the other church. But when it came down to the closing hymn after the message that morning, the song leader said, let us sing what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad we don't have a, a difficult relationship and I won't be pulling anything like that. Uh, one of the other uh, things I've thought of this morning, of contrasting between Joe and me, you know, Joe has a lot of facial hair compared to me. Well, there's a story of this young preacher fresh out of seminary, and he goes to this church, and he gets up and he preaches his trial sermon, which was only about 15 to 20 minutes long. And the people thought, this is the preacher for us. We get out. We can get, we can get up to breakfast station on time. <laughs> he don't run us over time. Well, he came back the following Sunday after he was booted in and installed as pastor. And he preached a decent sermon, the normal time span. But the second Sunday after he officially was pastor... He ran overtime quite a bit. But anyhow, the, his excuse was at the beginning, people were asking him why he had these little bits of, of Band-Aid all over his face. Then he said, well, this morning while I was getting ready for church, he said, I stood there in front of the mirror and was going through my sermon. He said, and I got myself so excited. He said, I just nicked myself all over. And he said, that's why all the band-aids. Well, on the way out, there was a little old lady, and there's usually one in every church. <laughs> the little old lady came past, and she said, Pastor, next Sunday, he said, she said, I want you to pay more attention to your shaving and cut the sermon. And now we get down to the sermon. <laughs> I chose the t th uh, 37th Psalm for my uh, text today, or for what I want to teach on. It's more of a teaching than a preaching, I think. And when they asked me what the name of my sermon was, I couldn't remember. I knew wisdom was in it, and that's what I said, wisdom. But uh, originally when I wrote it out, I had instruction in godly wisdom. So when we read uh, Psalm 37, most of us read it in a King James, or and some of the other new versions have it too, and it starts out with, fret not. Well, 
half of people don't know what fret means. It's not those ridges on the guitar handle, you know, that he puts his fingers on, but it, it's uh, different. I looked up in Webster what Webster called it, and Webster said it Old English, which I don't know why they left, when they did the King James, they left so much Old English in it, but it, in, in Old English it really is a word that means become agitated over all the... Over the different negatives in your life. So anyhow, I chose this morning to use for, uh, for the, to illustrate my lesson a Jerusalem Bible, and because I like the wording of the, of the 37th Psalm better in the Jerusalem version than I do in the King James. It says, "Do not worry about the wicked. Do not envy those who do wrong. Quick as grass." They wither, fading like the green in the field. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you think everybody loves you, you're wrong. <laughs> I don't know anybody that everybody loves all the time, that likes you all the time. That's even when you're a preacher, they don't always like you. I've learned that through 50-some years. But anyhow, uh, it, it, you, you have to earn that love. You have to earn that. Some people are real, take everything to heart. And, yeah, how do they say, roll off your back, like, off, like rain running off of a duck's back? Sometimes that's how you have to take the criticisms and the the negative things that might be said about you. They will be like grass. You know, these agitators that cause you to become agitated, they're going to be like the grass. It grows up and wilts and is no more. We go on to verse 3. And it says, Trust in God and do what is good. Make your home in the land and live in peace. And God will make God your only joy, and he will give you what your heart desires. It's a very good song. It says, live in peace. Don't be angry with anybody. Sometimes it's hard. I know there were times that I've had have problems with that one, but I'm sorry. It's that the Bible teaches us that we should trust in Him and do only do good. Don't do anything to get even with those that that despitefully use you. Don't 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 conjure up ways that you're. I'm going to get even. You know, I how often I heard heard through my years, people say. And that's not the way God wants a real Christian to live. He says, if you live according to what he asks us here, it says, do what is good. Make your home in the land and live in peace. There's some neighborhoods that I know of people living in, and the neighbors do not get along at all. 
I can think of one, but in the end, they kept up their, their thing, and in the end, it paid off. They, every Sunday morning, this little old lady with her clutch bag under her arm would walk past their house on her way to church. You could set your clock by it. At church was at nine, and she lived a block down from the church, and at about ten of nine, there she came, and the, the kids in the neighboring house and all the family, they, oh, there she goes, the, good, the, the little goody-goody. You know, she's going to church again this morning. She kept it up. She didn't let it bother her. She still went to church every morning, every Sunday morning. And lo and behold, that family had a problem. And they didn't know where else to turn anymore. And they went to that church and got saved. So you do good sometimes to keep your mouth shut. Don't fight back. Then we continue, and we find in uh, farther down in, in verse 4 and 5, but I read 4, in 5 we find, commit your fate to God. Trust in him and he will act, making your virtue clear as the light, your integrity as bright as the moon. Still, commit your fate, you know, Commit your life to God and live as, to the best of your ability as you know God wants you to live. And it says he'll make your virtue clear as light. People will see in you a difference. They'll see in you a big difference. And your, it says your integrity will shine as bright as the noonday sun. People are looking for for people like that. Instead, the world today seems to look for us to be a bunch of hypocrites that go to church every Sunday morning. That's what they call us, a lot of them. Oh, I wouldn't join them. Only hypocrites go to church. That Some guy told me that when I was pastoring in North Carolina. I said, then come and join us. We still have room for you. <laughs> And we still have room here this morning. <laughs> but it says it'll, you'll, you're, it will sound like, sound like the sun. Be quiet before God and wait patiently for him, not worrying about men who make their fortunes, ab fortunes about men who scheme to bring the poor and needy down. You know, that, that is one thing. Everybody wants to do well in this world. We all want to succeed. And it bothers us sometimes when we see people that have no regard for God whatsoever, and they're prospering, and you are not. It says, don't worry about it, the book tells you. That's being smart, wisdom. Don't worry about it. God probably has something better for you down the road that'll outshine this that you feel sort of envious of and you shouldn't be envious in this to start with. It says, be quiet before God. Wait patiently for him. You have to have patience. There's a, a lot of things going on in the world today 
that, that we don't like. But we have to be patient because in the end, God is still in control. No matter what happens, God is in control, not man. Enough of anger, it says in the eighth verse, enough of anger, leave rage aside. Do not worry. Nothing but evil can come of it. For the wicked will be expelled, while those who hope in God shall have the land for their own. You know, the day is coming. The day is coming when there's going to be a cleansing. I don't mean the political party's going to clean a mess up. I mean God's going to come down. He, he's going to say enough is enough and he's going to cleanse. The evil will be cast out. And it says that the Christian, the believer, will, will inherit the land. A little longer and the wicked will be no more. Search his place well, he will not be there. But the humble shall have the land of their own <clears throat> and enjoy untroubled peace. You know, a lot of us spend a lot of our life, I know I did early on in my life, worrying about others. Worrying about what others might think. I remember when I got saved, I left a liturgical church and went to a, uh, another church and uh, I was on the bowling team at the old church. And we were bowling one night and I heard... Uh, man from one of the other churches that was in that bowling league said to one of the elders that was bowling on, on the church team, he said, I hear John don't go to your church anymore. He said, no. He said, he, he left, he said, a couple months ago. They said, where did he go to? Oh, he's with some holy roller outfit. <laughs> I have not rolled on the floor ever. And... <laughs> There or here. I, I can move around and get a shout on sometimes, but I don't rule around. I'm, you cannot call me a holy ruler. I know that. But anyhow, we continue down through what God has said uh, to us here in giving us this, well, it was from David to give us this wisdom. Uh, and it's, it's really amazing what we find. You know, when you think you're at the end of your rope, there's that old hymn that comes to mind, you know, and everybody knows I'm for the old hymns. It says, Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. So put your, put your trust in him. And don't put trust in, in anyone else. Enough of anger. Leave rage aside. Do not worry. Nothing but evil can come of it. While those who hope in God shall have the land for their own. A little longer and the wicked will be no more. Search his place. He will not be there. But the humble shall have the land as their own to enjoy untroubled peace. The wicked man plots against the virtuous 
and grinds his teeth. <laughs> that, that grinding of teeth has always been a mystery to me. <laughs> I don't know, they say some people grind their teeth when they're sleeping, but anyhow, here or there, it's neither here or there what I think about the term. But the Lord only laughs at the man knowing that his end is in sight. I mean, uh, wickedness, somebody that is wicked, they have, they have a day coming. They might be enjoying it for a while, but their day is coming. Though the wicked draw the sword and bent their bow to kill the upright, their swords will only pierce their own hearts and their bows will be smashed. It says every weapon that they're going to form against you, God is on your side. God is going to take care of that. It's like that, that lesson we have in the Old Testament where they were out fighting the enemy and the one young man, he said, oh, how can we be overcome them? There are many, many more than us. And I think it was Elijah said, well, look, look a little deeper, look a little harder. He said, greater are those that are with us than those that are in the world. And I feel it's the same way for us today. Greater are those that are with us than are out there in the world. The church today is being, I feel, is being sort of persecuted, the early stages of persecution. And I think we haven't seen the worst of it yet. When government wants to interfere with how you run your church and what you do and what you don't do at your church, that is interference and that is something that we can't stand for. We will not let it happen. In the end, we're going to overcome. The evil will have to flee from us. The little the virtuous, man, virtuous person possesses outweighs all the wealth of the wicked since the arms of the wicked are doomed to break and God will uphold the virtuous. He will, he will take care of us. He will uphold us, it says, in, in many way, different ways. But we have to be patient. Maybe I should have titled the sermon Learning Patience because uh, there's a lot of learning patience to be done when you, when you read this, this chapter here, this uh, psalm. Anger should not be among us. Displeasure, yeah, we can be displeased. I don't think it's exactly against God's will because if something is going on that we don't agree with, we have the right to, to ask and to, to try to get things changed to the way we believe and the way we think. God always has a better plan. You always have to look at that. Little did I ever think, a couple times in 1986, that I went up to Kerala Chapel on a Sunday morning to conduct the service. They only had it open over the summer and they asked different preachers if they'd come there. I mean, one of the local families asked a different preacher, said, would you come there and, and do it? 
Well, in 87 uh, is when they asked me to stay. They said, can't you keep it going year round? And we did. But there were those naysayers that worked against me. I got there, I had eight people, and one a young lad, very similar to this young lad, <laughs> in the church. And we stuck it through the winter. I'd cut the, the service down to half an hour some winter days. It gets colder up there than it does here in winter time. And <clears throat> I could see my breath from the pulpit, and that's when I knew, hey, this is ridiculous having everybody sit here. I'd abbreviate the message real good and maybe have a, a hymn that, at the beginning, a prayer, naturally take the offering, <laughs> the, me the message, the message, and then a benediction, and we'd be out of there. Other than that, our service was very similar to, to what, what we have here. But there were people against me. I called them the hysterical historicals. The church was built in 1885. It sat there empty from 38 till 84 or 5 when they started to have the different preachers in the, you know, for a, a service every summer, you know, a few of us. And then in 87, I was called, they asked me would I stay, and I stayed, and we got the church going. Well, by 1992, we had added a uh, porch, a vestibule. It really was only a 33 by 20 foot uh, room with a roof and a steeple on it. And we added bathrooms because all we had before that was one of them houses with the half moon cut out of the door. <laughs> And anyhow, when I did the first change, he said, oh, you shouldn't be changing. This is a historic building. You shouldn't be making changes to it. I said, well, somebody has to do something before it falls together because it, it, it was in bad, bad repair. The, the planks had separated. Yeah, and I mean planks. That was the flooring, planks. And being nobody had been in there with a wet mop for all those years, the wood shrank. And the first Sunday that I went there ever, that was in 84 already, I don't know why, I, I'm not one that carries a pen knife, but I thank God I had one in my pocket that day. The Lord must have slipped it in on me uh, when I got things out of my dresser drawer. And I had to cut the weeds that were coming, growing up between the, the planks. My first wife went out to the car. I always threw old towels in the car to use for grease rags or whatever you need, you know, sometimes with a car. And she went out to the car and got a couple of the cleaner ones after we, after we broom, with a broom, cleaned off the pews. And then she wiped them off yet. Then we outgrew that church. I had a hundred plastic chairs outside in the summertime. See, the seasons that the church is full are exactly opposite from here. Up there, 
you have the summer visitors, here we have the winter visitors and the snowbirds. But anyhow, we, we, we did all this work there. The people were very helpful. We got, we got the thing going. And uh, next thing you know, uh, I had to buy a lot. And I bought a lot across the street. Now, I had a very special group of people that came to that church because of the location. I mean, it's a very upscale town today. It was a little fish town years ago when the church was built. But today it's a very upscale community where if you want to go on vacation, you're going to pay anywhere from five to $6,000 to rent a house for a week, not a month. But anyhow, uh, I got, had good help from all those people. And I bought the lot. And it was a seven-year mortgage. I thought, Lord, we can't wait seven years. <laughs> I have a hundred people sitting out in the yard already in the summertime, and I always had to pray it wouldn't rain on a Sunday morning. <laughs> or they wouldn't have been there. So we paid it off in three years. And then we started the plans. Now, I'm of the school that believes... You have half the money in the bank before you start a project. Pat Robertson taught me that, I guess, when I was the, the four years I worked with him. And we had the money, and we started building. Now, there was a mole in that community. And I was at the church usually every Wednesday morning, and he came up, and he'd say, well, John, he said, are you going to move the church? I said, yeah. He said, oh, they're going to stop you. They're, t they're talking already, taking you to court to stop you from moving the church. I said, well, we'll see what happens. I went up to Regent University, and Jay Sekulow, which I'm sure everyone has probably heard of him, he's one of President Trump's chief lawyers right now. He started that American Center for Law and Justice. And I went up and I told him what my situation was. He said, move it. But it was, he said it on the phone to his, his helper and his helper told me, I mean, his office manager that was there. He wasn't there the day I got there. He said, move it. We'll take it to the Supreme Court if we have to. He said, they didn't want it when it was in disrepair. Now that you have it fixed up, they, they aren't going to get it either. You fix it up for a house of worship. So you have to watch the wicked. The point I'm trying to make is, I didn't get nasty, I didn't get ugly, but I just quietly moved on, and, and with, I knew God was on my side. That is the beginning of wisdom. It says, God, and I see I'm going to run over time, but, and I didn't even have my face cut. But anyhow, it says, God guides man's steps. They are sure, and he takes pleasure in their progress. He may fall, but never fatally, since God supports him by his hand. And that's the only way to live anymore. You know, God... It's in your hands now. 
I'm not going to depend on you. That is the beginning of wisdom. It says, never yield to evil, always practice good. I'm going fast now because I had a lot more to preach, but I'm going to bring out the highlights here. The wicked man spies on the, virtue, on the virtues of the good man seeking to kill him. God will never leave him in these clutches or let him be condemned under trial. Put your hope in God. Keep his way. And that's what we were trying to do in the, in the situation I related to you. And you will tar like a cedar of Lebanon. Well, if you ever saw a cedar of Lebanon, they are tall, rigid, and, and very strong. Observe the innocent man. Consider the upright. For the man of peace there are descendants, but sinners shall be destroyed altogether. The salvation of the virtuous comes from God. He is their shelter when trouble comes. God helps and rescues them. He saves them because they take shelter in him. So we have to put our trust in God. That is the, what the wise Christian does today. Trust in God and he will take care of it. Fret not. Don't worry. God will take care of it. We sang this morning, God will take care of you. Fits in real good with the message. Be not dismayed whate'er betide. God will take care of you. With that, I think I'll close the message this morning. God, our Father, we just thank you again for the time we had to look into your word and to see the wisdom that we can find in your scriptures. Very good and clear instructions how we should relate one with the other in this world. God, just be with us. We ask you to be with this congregation as it strives to put out the gospel that others might hear and come to know your son, whom to know is life. Amen.